This is the Activate Podcast with Pastor Christian Newsom. In this week's podcast, truth is not a perspective, it's a person, and, and his name is Jesus. Truth has been revealed. It's not being revealed, it has been revealed through the revelation of Scripture. Well, thank you for uh, listening to the Activate Podcast with Pastor Christian Newsom. Uh, as always, a great ministry resource of Journey Church International. My name is Ryan, and I serve as the Connections Pastor at Journey. We've been in a series called Summer in the Psalms. We've been learning so much. And this weekend, Pastor Christian preached on the Penitential Psalms Part 1. So uh, good to have you on the podcast, Pastor Christian. Um, I know Pastor Mike uh, filled in for me last week. I su- uh, sure appreciate that. But, you know, when I when I sat down, I started, you know, as I've just heard our Summer in the Psalms, it reminds me of our, our meeting at Neighborhood Cafe. Um, when you kind of laid out the vision, um, we sat down there, my, my wife and I, and you and Danielle, and you just kind of talked to me about coming on board at JCI. And one thing that really excited me, I, I can remember it was a breath of fresh air, was when you talked about wanting our church, uh, how you wanted it to be in our community. Uh, can you Can you tell, really tell me what gave you this burden to make sure our church was a church that was for our community, not just in it? Yeah, so the partner this summer to Summer in the Psalms has been our summer of serving, which has been really exciting. Since June 1, uh, our community outreach team, I mean, has just, it it seems like every day, certainly every week, been serving our community in incredible ways in a time when it's really, really needed. Um, And I think a lot of that was birthed, you know, one, a lot of it is just birthed as as a follower of Jesus. Right in Matthew chapter 25, we see what what I refer to as the great compassion. You know, I think followers of Jesus need to follow three things. The great commandment found in Matthew chapter 22, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The great commandment, uh, the great commission, of course, in Matthew 28, 19, and 20, go reach the whole world and help them become disciples of Jesus uh, by helping them follow his teaching. And then the great compassion, Matthew 25 says, find people who are hurting and help them. That Those are things that identify you as followers of Jesus. So my passion one is a, as a follower of Jesus, just as I'm, I'm supposed to continually be finding and helping people who need help. Uh, as a pastor of a church, um, when, when, I, when we think about how we started, um, I had an opportunity to go through kind of a, a church planning boot camp, a church planning um, leadership development system with what was called at the time Launch Network, which is now called Engage Churches, uh, with Westridge Church, which was a church in Dallas, Georgia, in the northwest suburbs. And they had an established pastor come speak to a group of church planners that was going through that program together. And they said, hey, one thing you need to understand about the churches you're planting, every one of you is planting a church that's going to die one day. Um, the greatest church planner in the history of the world was the Apostle Paul. Not a single church that he planted is still living. Every one of you are planting a church that's going to die. That's encouraging. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but you got to be faithful in your generation with what God has called you to do. And they said, one day when your church goes away, will there be anyone in your community who never went to your church, who is sad that it's not there anymore? Somebody maybe who doesn't even yet know Jesus, who was grateful that your church was a part of your community, or will your church only exist for the people who walk in the doors on Sunday? And I thought, man, I don't want to just be a church in our community that exists for the people of Journey Church International. I want to be a church that's for the community. So that when when people from the school district and, and people who work as first responders and people who work serving the hurting and the helpless of our community 
drive by our church. My hope is that every time they pass our church, they think, man, I'm glad that church is in our community. I don't go there. I don't like the preacher's teaching. I don't like the worship music. The worship leader wears earrings. His jeans are too skinny. The music's too loud. The church Connecting is too small. Connecting guys bald. Yeah, church <laughs> is too small. Church is too big. Whatever. Um, I want people who say, man, I don't know that I'd ever go to that church, but I'm so glad that it's in our community. And one day when it's gone, I hope that people, I hope that people think our community was better when that church was thriving because it was here. So I think that's the heart. Uh, one, as a Christian, and then two, as a pastor in our church to make sure that our church represents Jesus well in our community, not just for those who go to our church, but but for everyone who lives in our community where our church is centered at. I'm glad it's been available. I know back at the beginning of the year, you actually remember Pastor Brandon put together a spiritual assessment that we took, and we looked at community service, our prayer life, Bible reading, and one of the things that I realized I wanted to do a better job of this year was community service. So I've been really thankful for all the summer in the Psalms. This weekend, going to have a chance to lead a bunch of men to uh, to Urban Christian Academy and help them get their Christian school in the urban core of, of Kansas City up and running and ready. So I'm I'm ready to to serve. But that really that really was something I was passionate about. And uh, if you're not careful, uh, life can get in the way. And so I'm glad we've given so many great opportunities for people to serve this community. You you open up your message with, with two goals. Um, and in doing so, you talk about progressive Christianity. In some cases, progressive, uh, progressive Christianity can have, as its premise, the thought of choose what I believe, then find somebody who will teach it, and call that, uh, and call that my truth. So, wh- why is this wrong and, and dangerous to the faith? Well, I, you know, I think the the starting point of faith is really, really important. That's that's what we talked about in our message a little bit on Sunday. What what is the front door of your faith? What is, what is your foundation of faith? What is the starting point of your faith? Because there's 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 two um, that you can choose. One one that we bring, that we believe leads to life. And those who find it, um, it's a narrow gate, and then and then one that's a big broad path, um, and it seems to lead to life, but eventually it ends to death. So faith can either start with me and my experiences, and then shaping a faith that supports me and my experiences, or it can start with God and His eternal omniscience. Um, but it but it can't be both. So we have to figure out whether the foundation of our faith is going to be me and my experience. Or God and His eternal omniscience. Uh, Dr. Tony Evans, in his book *Oneness Embrace*, that um, dozens of people in our church are reading this year, which is a great hermeneutic on racial reconciliation that we've been going through this summer, said when the human condition is used as the starting point for seeing the whole of God's revelation, rather than a surrender to His sovereignty over the whole of the human condition, faulty theology and sociology emerges, which means. You wrap a religion around man instead of God. What we end up with is a God fashioned in the image of man. And, he, and Dr. Evans says we should instead, we should instead of wrapping God around humanity, we should ascertain how God has determined to glorify himself. How does God want us to live? And then align ourselves with that despite our ability to always understand God's processes or reasons behind why he's asking us to do what we do. So we got to we got to determine does does our faith revolve around God and His eternally revealed truth, or does it revolve around us? 
And when we talk about a postmodern look at Christianity, which which is what progressive Christianity is. It's a postmodern look. The word progressive in there means we are a Christianity that has evolved beyond New Testament Scripture. We are a Christianity that has progressed beyond the first century. It's a, it's a postmodern look at Christianity. Um, when we do that, they're saying we, we now know new things and have experienced new things that Jesus and his disciples and the Apostle Paul had not they could not possibly teach us because they've not experienced what we've experienced. They're saying human experience shapes faith. Where other people are saying, wait a minute, no, God is, he's omniscient, he's omnipotent, he's eternal. Uh, he knew on the day Genesis 1-1 was written what was going to, what was going to happen in Revelation 22-21 and everything in between. God's been here all the time and he's given us everything we need to that, live that life. That would be that, our position. That would be our yeah. position. Because that's Scripture's position. Yes. Um, John 1, one said, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That, that word, the Greek word for word there is logos. It means wisdom. It means knowledge. It means everything there was that needed to be known existed before the beginning of the world. In John 14.6, Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Um, you say, I want, well, I want to find truth. Well, you have to find Jesus. Um, there is no my truth, your truth. There is the truth. His name is Jesus. And then there is how you and I react to that. The, the phrase my truth, I've actually asked our staff team not even to use that. That's a therapeutic word that's used in therapy today, but it is not biblically sound. There's not my truth, your truth. There's the, there's the truth. Jesus said, I am the truth. In John 4, 26, Jesus speaking to the woman of Samaria said, God is spirit and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. And the woman at the well said, well, I know that the Messiah, the Savior called the Christ is going to come. And when he comes, he'll tell us the truth. And Jesus said, I'm him and I am telling you the truth. In John chapter 18, Pilate, before he had Jesus flogged and crucified, asked the question, what is truth? And Jesus' response was, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth, and everyone on the side of the truth listens to me. He said in John 16 that when the Holy Spirit comes, which he referred to as the Spirit of truth, he said he'll, he'll guide you into all of the truth because he won't speak on his own. He'll speak only what he's heard, and he'll tell you what's yet to come. He'll glorify me because it's from me that he'll receive what he makes known to you, he said, the Holy Spirit will tell you truth because it'll, t- it'll remind you what I said because I am truth. And in John 17, 17, Jesus said, sanctify people who follow me by the truth. Your word is the truth. So truth is not a perspective. Regardless of what postmodernism, regardless, regardless of what the atheist, the agnostic, those who would fall into, I, I hate the phrase progressive Christianity because it's, it's not Christianity. Um, it is postmodernism with a little bit of Christian morality mixed in. Um, truth is not a perspective. It's a person, and, and his name is Jesus. Truth has been revealed. It's not being revealed. It has been revealed through the revelation of Scripture. And truth is being highlighted in the souls of the followers of Jesus through the Holy Spirit, and he tells us what the truth is by continuing to point us back to the Scriptures Truth, what we, what we can't say loudly enough is truth is not a perspective. No such thing as my truth, your truth. There's only the truth and how you and I are living in obedience 
to it or in rejection of it. And progressive Christianity, which I think is the greatest threat, not atheism. Uh, Atheism is a wolf in wolf's clothing. Um, I think Richard Dawkins and Christopher Hitchens are far less of a threat to the Christian church um, than people like I mentioned in my message, Rob Bell and Jen Hatmaker, um, because Richard Dawkins and Christopher Hitchens don't pretend to be Christians giving Christian truth. They're wolves in wolf's clothing, and we would all say you stay away from a wolf. It's the wolf in sheep's clothing. It's someone who says, I'm a follower of Jesus, but I have kind of defined that my own way this dangerous to the church. And when you look at what progressive Christianity is, and you just study their documents, their founding documents, churches that say we are progressive Christian churches, they have a lowered view on scripture. Uh, You'll hear phrases such as, I don't agree with what the Bible says there. Man, I really love Jesus. I just disagree with what the Bible says there. Um, Feelings are given a higher level of authority than facts. Um, You'll hear people say that verse just doesn't resonate with me um, because it, remember, truth starts with me not God. So I just don't know that I agree with that one. I don't feel it. Just don't feel like that's right. I used to believe that, but now I've experienced something else. It's led me to believe something different. So truth is based on my experience, not God's revelation. Um, And they emphasize love, which the church needed to do a better job of, but they emphasize love to the point of eliminating sin. And where we got to in this message is this is a message to learn how to confess sin. And if you don't believe in sin or you don't believe in punishment for sin, then this message like has nothing for you. Yeah. But if you believe both in sin and in the punishment for sin, this, this is a psalm and a type of psalm you need to be aware of because when you sin, when you have sin, like, you, like we all do, this is how you bring it to Jesus and confess it. So this thought of choose what I believe what my truth is, find someone who I can get who's credible, who, I, who teaches that, and then call it my truth is a dangerous form of spirituality. I would not call that Christianity. It's a dangerous form of spirituality. Starting with God's truth, finding someone to teach me God's truth, changing my view to God's view, regardless of what I used to believe, and submitting my will and spirit to God's truth, that is called Christianity. Not traditional Christianity, biblical Christianity, old school Christianity, Baptist Christianity. That's called Christianity. That's, that's what it means to be a follower of Jesus and of the Judeo-Christian faith. That's good. And uh, let me just say this. If you're listening, wherever you're at, you need to hit pause, rewind it, and you need to listen to that 10 minutes again because it's foundational to where we're at today, where we're going and you need to understand uh, what the truth is and how to defend it. And so, man, thank you. You're fired up today, brother. <laughs> a little bit, and I, there's and there's there's more to come. I've I've been in a I've been in a great season of learning, um, and I'm I'm excited to um, to help our church learn as well. How do I how do I identify um, sheep and wolves' clothing? Because they're they're dangerous. They're dangerous yeah. to the church. They're dangerous to our church. They're dangerous to our faith. They're dangerous to our children. Um, and we've we got to figure out how to mark them. Yeah, and how to continue to teach our people to know the truth, study the truth, and fall in love with the truth. So, yeah, because Scripture says the truth will set you free. Yeah. the Not my truth, not your truth. The truth. The truth. Jesus will set you free. Yeah. So this, this Sunday sermon uh, was on the penitential Psalms, part one. Um, and in it, you kind of tell us about the penitential psalms that were intended to teach the people of Israel how to express sorrow, regret, 
confession of their sin before God. So, someone might say, well, well, that was for ancient Israel and their fear of God. Jesus is loving, and he just, he just kind of magically forgives me. Why are these penitential psalms still so important to people today, especially when repentance and sorrow over sin seems to have faded? So several reasons, right? And I mean, a lot of this goes back to what we just discussed. One, Second Timothy 3.16, the Apostle Paul told Timothy, all scriptures God breathed, and it's useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training, like for all of time, not just in that moment, for all of time. Um, so I, I was listening to a Mark Driscoll sermon this morning mowing my yard, and he said that um, the Bible is not an old book. The Bible is an eternal book, and every word of it, the day it was said, was meant for every day before it was said and every day for after it was said, unless God with new revelation came alongside like he did in Acts chapter 8, 9, and 10 with Peter and Cornelius and said, we're not going to make them follow the food restrictions um, of, the, of the kosher diet. I thought that was so good. The Bible's not an old book. The Bible is an eternal book, and it lasts forever. Jesus, the truth, Jesus who is the truth, um, said you're not going to change one, one word, one stipulation, one covenant um, of the Old Testament. So that's one reason. Uh, another reason is because we never have as the starting point of our faith how people feel or how passions fade. Um, repentance and sorrow, those seem to have faded this was for people so long ago. No, it wasn't. It was for us. We always start with God's Word, and the truth of God's Word so often supports what we've already experienced in life. And as we look at kind of these seven elements of the penitential psalms, why are the penitential psalms, why is confession and repentance so important? Because these four these four things that I'm going to point out are life experiences that we need help with, Ryan. All of us need help with. Um, number one, why are they important? Because the feeling and the burden of sin is heavy. Um, and people who don't know Jesus are feeling the burden and the sorrow and the heaviness of sin. Uh, David says in Psalm 32, When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. David said, When I did not confess my sin, man, it just ate me up from the inside out. And people who don't even know that sin is sin living in sin and under the consequences of sin, are living under the burden and the heaviness and the sorrow of sin. So we need to learn how to free ourselves of that burden. Um, I think another important reason is because of our conduct after repentance. We're all looking for a tr not a changed life, but a transformed life. And when David says in verse 6 and 7, after confession, now let the faithful pray to you because you can be found while the rising of mighty waters won't reach them. You're going to be my hiding place. You're going to protect me from trouble. You're going to surround me with songs of deliverance. David said, I confess to you because of how it frees my soul and how it allows me to live after I'm done. Not because you're a big, mean, angry God and, and it pleases you, which it does, but, be, but because of how it frees me. Um, what it allows me to do. Isaiah in Isaiah 59 two says, your sins separate you from God. Your sins hide his face from you. He won't even hear your prayers. You say, why is it important to confess your sin? Because at some point you might need God for something, but he can't hear you if your sin willfully stands in the way of you and God. I think it's important to learn confession because it can be a warning to others. David says in Psalm 32, don't be like the horse or the mule which have no understanding and have to be controlled Many are the woes of the wicked. So he says, now, now that I have confessed sin and I found freedom, I want to help other people find that freedom. I want to warn them, man, don't live under 
the bondage of sin, confess it. And I think number seven, which you're, you're going to talk about um, in your next question, the joy of repentance and forgiveness. Why do we need to learn to confess sin? Because of what it does in your soul. David says the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him. So I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. I'm going to be glad all you who are righteous. I'm going to be upright in heart. I'm going to learn to confess and repent of sin because of what it does in my heart. And, and, and we're going to talk about that next week with David and Bathsheba and what it looks like to have a new heart created in you and the freedom and the life of restoration. All of those things are so important to anyone who is burdened by their sin or the consequences of anyone else's sin. And if we can help free people from the, the burden and the brokenness of sin by teaching them to confess and admit and repent their sin, um, man, that's, that's worth more than probably anything we could, we could ever do we could ever do for them if we could just teach them how to clean their heart before God and then live in the joy of that. Uh, it would be the most valuable thing we could do for anyone. So you're always trying to address both believers and non-believers in your sermon, certainly in our podcast. Um, you lay out seven elements, as you just mentioned, of these penitential psalms. And, and number seven is the joy of repentance and forgiveness. And we know, again, there's people who don't have a relationship with Jesus who listen to this podcast who, who listen to sermons, how, how do you explain specifically for them, how do you explain this joy that comes from repentance and forgiveness to the person who may just think, you know, following Jesus is about keeping some rules, sure. and, and, you know, I heard you can have a blessed life. Yeah, well, so I, I, I heard a, a pastor who I heard speak at a conference one time um, say that every time, every time he talked to someone who said, I don't follow Jesus, I don't believe in Jesus, you know, I'm not into that God stuff, that his one question to them was, how's that going for you? And he said, normally, that was the only question I had to ask because none of them were where they wanted to be emotionally, physically, spiritually. Like someone who trumpeted, I'm kind of doing things my own way. Okay, how's that going for you? How's your marriage? How's your finances? Yeah. How's your, yeah, just how's that going for you? Let, let me, you know, testify, convert, convert me, testify. How's that going for you? And he said, normally forcing them to face their reality of, you know, it's not honestly going great. Gave him an opportunity to say, let me tell you what Jesus provides. I would say to the answer to that question, what does forgiveness provide is found in verses 1 and 2 of Psalm 32. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord doesn't count against them, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. We started this entire series with the word blessed. We did a word study on the word blessed. I'll, I'll give you a pop quiz. I don't know if you were here that week. First time blessed is used in the Bible's where? Uh, Genesis three. Genesis one. One is what I meant yeah, to Genesis say. Genesis one. Yeah, that's yeah, that's what it, your mask kind of filter made one yeah, sound like yeah, three. Yeah. Genesis one. The very first thing God did with humanity is He blessed them. What did He bless them with? Connection with Himself, family, connection to purpose, connection to impact, um, living the life He created them to live. And then that was lost in sin. So David is now saying. Here's what confession and repentance will do for you. It will bless you, not with wealth and health and whatever. It will bless you with a connection to God. What did Adam and Eve do when they lost their blessing? They went and they hid from God because they felt separated and they felt ashamed. And people who are still carrying their sin today, they feel distant from God and they feel ashamed that anyone 
would find out who they are, how they're living, the way that they live their life. Confession of sin for you will bring freedom. It will bring love. It will bring identity. It will bring hope. You will be completely known by God, but completely loved by God at the same time. You won't have to hide from God or the people of God. You can say, here's who I am. Here's all the broken things in my life. And God will say, okay, I got you. I love you. I know you. Let's confess that. Let's repent of that. Let's, let's begin to move forward from that. That brings freedom and that brings love. So I would say for the person listening who's carrying the weight of their sin, who's carrying their secrets, who's carrying the burden of shame of being found out, how's that going for you without Jesus? And, and could you maybe try it another way? Instead of celebrating your sin, because based on your experience, it can make you happy. What if you did it God's way? What if your faith wasn't based around the way you think life should go, but it was based around the author of life and how he said life should go? What if you came to him completely known, but completely loved, so you could be completely forgiven and, and live in that freedom? What I, I would challenge someone and say, why don't, why don't you give that a shot? Um, try that one on and see how it fits your soul great challenge i hope if you're listening and you've been pondering that yourself you really will maybe even pause your car stop wherever you're at and and maybe uh ask god to to speak to you and and uh allow him to show you his love and his his care for you you talk about the holy spirit's role in people's lives and and he has a direct role in the christian's life and the non-christian's life there may be some people that wonder what's the difference yeah so john 16 says that the holy spirit's role in the world um, the Holy Spirit will convict the world, not not believers, although some of those in the world will become followers of Jesus. Convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Um, it will convict the world of the things that are wrong, that miss the mark of who God is. You say, well, how will he do that? Through our feelings? No, Jesus said he'll, doing, he'll do that by reminding you of what I said and reminding you of what was said in Scripture. So no, it's not just your feelings. So the Holy Spirit told me to feel this. Well, if that contradicts Scripture, then the Holy Spirit didn't say it because the Holy Spirit only speaks what's already been said through Scripture. So he convicts the world of sin where they're missing the mark in their, dis- in their disconnect from God. He convicts the world of righteousness, the right way to live, um, the full life that should be lived. And he convicts the world of judgment. He lets the world know, um, hey, this, this world will end at some point for everyone. And then what are you going to do after that? So the Holy Spirit convicts those who are not believers of sin, righteousness, and judgment. In the life of a Christian, once the Holy Spirit, through the power of regeneration, helps a non-believer walk from death to life, from darkness to light, um, I think the Holy Spirit does two powerful things in the life of a believer. He is their comfort. He walks with them. He never leaves with them. He is the ever-present help in trouble. But I think the gifts and the fruit that the Holy Spirit provides are the primary role of the Holy Spirit in the Christian and the, in the Christian and in the church. Um, the gifts that equip you and enable you to serve and fulfill the purpose God has given you, the fruit that allows your life to be seen as one that emulates Jesus. So I would say the gifts allow us to serve um, and be equipped to serve. The fruit allows us to be seen as our life emulating Jesus. So for the Christian, the fruit helps you look like Jesus, love like Jesus, serve like Jesus. For those who are not Christians, the Holy Spirit helps hopefully illuminate your eyes and your heart so you see Jesus and your need for him, even in your sin, because of his standard, because judgment is coming. Um, so the, the Holy Spirit has a powerful, powerful work um, in, in our world, and um, 
man, I love studying about the Holy Spirit. I love, I love praying through, um, you know, the, whole, the Holy Spirit is our connection to heaven. Um, the, the Son is at the right hand of the Father. The Holy Spirit is, is kind of our holy telephone line that communicates, uh, helps us communicate back and forth between heaven and earth. Um, but I would say the gifts he gives us to fulfill our calling, the fruit he gives us, so we can be a picture of Jesus. So the biggest thing in the life of the Christian, life of the non-Christian, just the compulsion um, and the call to follow Jesus. What a great uh, description. Thank you. Uh, always learn something as I'm listening, and I, en- I enjoy sharing this with others. I've got some friends and family, and, and, and I hope you'll do the same. Uh, if you have uh, learned, if you've been blessed, if you've been challenged, I hope you'll do the same, that you will share this. You'll text it to a friend. You'll like it. You'll give it a great review. We want to continue to be a resource to help people. So, Pastor Christian, thank you uh, today for uh, sharing the wisdom that you've gained through study, through prayer. I know people benefit a lot from it. And thank you today, listening from wherever you're at around the world. Be sure to tune in on Sunday to our services, either come live in person. We'd love to have you at one of our services, 8, 9, 30, or 11. Or check us out on Facebook Live, YouTube, JCI app, takethejourney.cc. A lot of great ways that you can stay connected to church. We want to get you engaged uh, and, and find ways that we can encourage you. As always, we'd love to hear from you. If we can... Uh, um, encourage you in your walk. If you have a great story to share with us, you can email us at activate at takethejourney.cc. I know Pastor Christian loves to answer questions as well. If you have a question that you're pondering from your Bible reading time, let us know. Otherwise, we look forward to catching you next time on the Activate Podcast, where we challenge you to build a faith that is active. Thank you for listening to Activate with Pastor Christian Newsom, a podcast of Journey Church International. If you are ever in the Kansas City area, we would love for you to join us for one of our Sunday worship experiences. You can find out more information about JCI on our website at takethejourney.cc. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please show your support by subscribing, rating, and reviewing on iTunes or Google Play. We would love for you to help us get the word out about this resource. Don't forget to share this episode with all your friends on social media. Thanks again for listening, and we will catch you next time on the Activate Podcast.